Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. Look, I'm the kind of person who has enthusiasms that border on obsessions. And if I discover something I really love, I can't help but share it with the people around me. Whether my new thing is collecting the seeds of my poppies, Les Trampas Regional Wilderness, the new histories of indigenous Mexico, or um, Peloton. So today, we're going to hear from some friends of the show, and you, of course, about the things and places we all discovered in 2021. And then... We'll have a chat with the iconic feminist artist Judy Chicago, who has her first ever retrospective up at the De Young. That's all next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. As 2021 winds down, we want to hear from you about your favorite discoveries of the year. What new places to go, things to do, hobbies, cooking techniques, books, TikTok dances, podcasts? Like, what? which of those inspired, entertained, and sustained you? Doesn't have to be serious, but it can be. The only real rule we have for this segment is that your discovery this year is something that you've become passionate about and want to share with others. Give us a call now, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Call in, share one of your... 2020 discoveries that you're passionate about. You can get in touch, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, KQED Forum, and you can email uh, your new discovery to forum at kqed.org. We're also joined by some friends of the show who are going to share some of their favorites with us. And up first, we've got Dan Brecky, editor and reporter with KQED News. Welcome to the show, Dan. Hi, Alexis. And Janae Darden, a journalist and author. Welcome, Janae. Hi. So, Janae, why don't we start with you? You cover uh, the arts uh, quite broadly. What's something that you discovered in 2021 that that you just love and want to share with people? Um, so it's, uh, it's funny. It's something simple, but I think it's something that a lot of people have a hard time doing or just have a hard time with access to, which is some silence. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just, you know, unplugging. Um, I mean, I am a journalist, so just kind of... <laughs> Taking, taking I was saying, you do news. radio too. So silence, really, this is tough. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm like, we're, you know, we're in the news biz, right? Um, you know, taking taking breaks from the news. Cause I just felt like so overwhelmed, especially, you know, covering the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when it started in 2020, because we're still in a pandemic. Um, but just, you know, just just taking that silence and just kind of, and just decompressing. It's funny because I used to think 
when I was younger, I used to think people were strange. You wanted to just move out in the middle of nowhere <laughs> to the woods. And now I totally get it now. <laughs> now you're um, like looking up stuff in the Sierra. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so one place that, um, that, uh, I like going to is uh, Alameda Shoreline Park, mm. um, and it's it is it's just a, a, a lovely it's a lovely trail. It's near the near the uh, ferry stop um, at Bay Farm Island in Alameda, and it's just a nice walking trail. You have this gorgeous view of of the bay, and so when I just want silence and quiet, I like to just go there, walk, sit, mm. you know, look at the water, chill with the birds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That is beautiful, Janae. I love it. No, I love it. I love it. How about you, Dan? What's uh, one of your 2021 discoveries? Well, my first one is the unmute button. Um, (laughs) People still uh, haven't discovered that. uh, Well, um, I, uh, you know, staying with that outdoors theme, um, I think a lot of us have been uh, seeking uh, solace and sanity out of doors uh, during this last 21 months. And one place I thought about going for years, but only made it this year, is um, a place called Los Vaqueros Reservoir, which is in eastern Contra Costa County. And I'm kind of a an infrastructure nerd anyway. I like dams. Um, I don't really like dams, but I think they're an interesting artifact of our civilization. And of course, California doesn't exist without them. The Bay Area more particularly does not exist without them. And But but the, the, the real payoff at Los Vaqueros is um, an amazing set of trails, uh, uh, an amazing landscape. I mean, you're right on the the place where the uh, East Bay Hills, the Diablo range in, in that area, it, you're sort of on the other side of Mount Diablo, gives way to the uh, Central Valley. Um, you have you do have some industrial landscape. I mean, a dam is industrial and you have uh, in, the, in the distance, you have wind turbines going, but I'll tell you, it was, it was an amazing experience to go out there uh, on a, a spring day. And, you know, the other big payoff is there was nobody there. It's a really, it's a really underused place. I mean, you see some people fishing and stuff, but it's just, I mean, it really is uh, a reminder of how many places there are in the Bay Area where you can go for just something almost like utter seclusion. Yeah. And I, I really love that. And, um, yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll stay with that one for, yeah. for the time being. Les Trampas Regional Wilderness has been. Oh, my gosh. Really just a- absolutely. You know, there have been times where I've gone out there and run like eight or nine miles and seen like two <laughs> people, you know, and you're just like, wow, there's truly nobody out here. It's so beautiful. You have views to the interior side. You can also get views out uh, towards the bay and ocean. It's just that that's really beautiful. Let's bring in uh, Terry from Larkspur into the conversation. Welcome, Terry. Hi. Um, I have discovered the tide pools and tides in general, just starting to understand tides and what I can see with a low tide and a high tide and what animals are out there and what sea life. But um, especially the Bolinas, um, Agate Beach, the Duxbury Reef tide is absolutely stunning and amazing. And it's just great to see children out there. Um, with their families, and everybody's just really intent on discovering. And I think that's really beautiful to be around, and uh, it's just amazing. It's a beautiful place to see. Terry, did you take advantage of the big king tides last weekend to go yeah. out there and check things out? 
Yes, I did. I was out there and I was thinking about it for days. I was just like, I got to get out there. I got to get out there. And I almost feel a little panicky if I think I'm going to miss a really low tide. Um, I just kind of go, I got to get out there. <laughs> but I've seen these sea enemies that are the size of a dinner plate and they're just, it's just amazing. I never really paid that. And I've lived here my whole life and I'm a beach person, but I never really paid attention to the tide pool, which now I'm just, you know, I love. Wow. Thank you so much for uh, sharing that with us, Terry. And we want to hear from you. What discovery in the past year do you want to tell people about? You can give us a call, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can get in touch, Twitter, Facebook, or at KQED Forum, or you can email your discoveries to forum at kqed.org. A couple of those have come in. Really interesting. Uh, Alexander tweets, I discovered Katherine Davidson. All summer long, Catherine tried to spread the word and keep people out of danger during the 2021 California fire season. She covered all the fires from Dixie to Calder to the Fawn Fire. All videos were streamed live. I believe that's on YouTube. That's Catherine Davidson. And listener Daffodil in Oakland uh, wanted to shout out Elizabeth Ito, City of Ghosts on Netflix. That was their discovery. She called it the best, most precious cartoon with a marvelous all-POC cartoon kid cast. It's set in L.A. with beautiful animation and even better historical storylines that unearth L.A.'s buried histories. I just want to plus one that one as well. Um, actually, Forum actually had Elizabeth Ito on the show earlier this year. And it is a beautiful, beautiful show. Uh, actually featuring uh, a wonderful non-binary kid, one of the best non-binary characters I've I've seen uh, on, on television or whatever we call that stuff we watch on TVs now. Um, Janae uh, Darden, do you want to share a cultural thing with us, like something, um, you know, along along those lines, uh, a show, podcast, book, movie? Um, wow, cultural thing. You know, someone who's gotten a lot of publicity uh, is D-Nice. Um, and uh, D Nice is a DJ. People people may remember D Nice from back in back in the eighties. And so during quarantine, he was spinning songs on Instagram, and like it created, you know, it was like musical therapy. And and when we couldn't go outside, you know, we had clubs in our living room basically he called it club <laughs> quarantine and so I actually went to LA when they had the concerts because he, he had concerts and he was touring around the country so I went to LA for the concert he did play some Oakland music so I was happy to hear about that he played Bay Area music he had a Bay Area set um so I really I really grew to that but just this the power of music and definitely we've seen the power of artists you know just during this time artists say I keep saying artists saved us I mean you know science and medicine too but artists really, really saved us uh, during this time. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. How about you, Dan Brecky? Any uh, cultural things you want to share with us? Well, you know, um, I, I tweeted out that uh, we were going to do, do this show, and I mentioned books twice um, on my list of things people might want to talk about. I would say, you know, a couple things in books. I mean, it's not new, but, you know, there's this Robert Caro uh, biography of uh, Lyndon Johnson, and there's a whole group of uh, Robert Caro, Lyndon Johnson nerds who are praying that uh, he actually finishes his his final he's volume. quite old, right? I mean, he's in his Yeah, he's 85. 80s, yeah. And, um, and, but, you know, with a couple of other folks at KQED last year, I started to read these sort of as a mini book club. And I did finish the last volume that he completed, which is called The Passage of Power. And it's, you know, I'm of an age where I do remember the Kennedy assassination and uh, 
the civil rights movement and uh, Johnson's importance to that. And it's a, it's a thrilling read, actually. So that's one thing. The other thing, much closer to home, and it's something I'm reading right now, and I actually, I, I owe KQED Arts a, a review at some <laughs> point, is um, Hellatown by uh, Mitchell Schwartzer over at uh, uh, California College of the Arts, which is uh, basically a, a story about, uh, it's a history of Oakland and mm -hmm. basically how things like uh, transit systems, uh, you know, form the city that we see today. And it's a, it's a really interesting read. Um, and I know, I think you had him out. Yeah, actually. we did. We had Mitchell Schwartzer on. Uh, we had a segment on Helltown. You can check that out if you want a, a taste of it. I want to um, shout out another uh, cultural product. Uh, when I tweeted we were doing this, I decided that my big discovery for 2021 was Bluey. It's an animated kid show. I think it's on Disney+. Plus. It's But it's originally from Australia, and it's basically about this these cartoon dogs <laughs> and uh, Bingo and Bluey. And then the reason I love it, though, is the dad is such a great dad. And not, you know, it's not like very didactic or anything like that. The reason the dad is a great dad is he's so good at playing with, with the kids. And he spends the time and he really invests himself in their imaginary worlds and what it is that they're doing. And I really, truly believe that watching that show has made me engage better uh, with my kids because it's not just sort of like hey can you brush your teeth can you put this put these you know instead it's just like hey what's your imaginary world right now I'm gonna go there with you and I feel like having that in my mind as sort of a parenting goal via Bluey uh, has been so great for for our family uh, we're talking about the things that we all discovered in 2021 that fed and sustained us Dan Brecky, our own uh, here at KQED News, he's going to stick around. And Janae Darden, journalist and author, we're going to let you go. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Stay tuned for more after the break. We've got Lily Loofboro as well as Robin Sloan coming up. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're sharing the things that we discovered in 2021 that fed and sustained us. We're joined by Dan Brecky, editor and reporter at KQED News. And we're going to add some other friends of the show to this conversation. First, I want to shout out Lily Loofbarrow. She's a staff writer at Slate. Welcome to the show, Lily. Thanks. Happy to be here. Yeah. And I believe we also have Robin Sloan, author of Sourdough and Mr. Penumbra's 24-hour bookstore. Welcome to the show, Robin. Hey, thanks, Alexis. Uh, Lily, let's go to you first. What's one of the things that you discovered in 2021? 
Well, you know, so I had kept kind of on the back burner a couple of shows that I figured I was really going to love and didn't watch when they ran. So one of them was Wolf Hall and another was Broadchurch. And those were both great to discover in 2021. But the big thing um, that kind of saved me <laughs> this year was, this is so dumb, but it's Fountain Pens. Fountain Pens? Yeah. Like fancy <laughs> ones or just the ones from Daiso or what are we talking here? So, so kind of a range, um, as it turns out, because I know I'm so I'm ashamed to confess that I now have ten. Um, but so basically, I had used fountain pens before. My mom always kind of wrote with a fountain pen when I was little, and I thought they were cool, but they seemed kind of fiddly and hard. Um, and uh, but this year, I I don't know if this happened to you, but I I really felt that like my digital life was kind of consuming my real life since there was mm. no there was so little outside of <laughs> like, I don't know, Twitter. The screen, and, right, and, yeah. And yeah, so um, I decided as an experiment that I really wanted to try to figure out a way how to, to make my like reading online somehow concrete because I don't know, it just felt like I was reading tweets all day and mm-hmm. articles and they were just flying in and out without being processed at all. So anyway, I decided that I was gonna try to write down everything that I read for a few days. Huh. Like literally every tweet, <laughs> like every article, just just like one line per thing to try to like actually root myself. So I thought, well, I'll try a fountain pen for that to try to make it like fancier. So um, I asked for advice about an extra fine fountain pen. And it turns out that that's a big faux pas in, in the fountain pen community. <laughs> <laughs> in the fountain king fandom. <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't know that. There of course, there's a huge subculture. I didn't know. Um, so I got mocked a little bit. But um, but anyway, a very sweet pen expert recommended this cheap little pen called a Twisby Echo. Um, it's just a little plastic pen, you know, that you fill with like, um, but basically you fill the entire body by turning the bottom bit. It's re- Anyway, it's really fun. It's kind of like a syringe or something. Huh. Um, and it's great. That's so, you know... <laughs> Um, Lily, what's hilarious is we actually have a listener who wrote in with the same thing. Alessia writes, during the pandemic, I decided after years of curiosity to experiment with fountain pens. I was immediately delighted with the quality of writing and the range of ink choices, especially when choosing bottled ink. But even more importantly to me, switching to fountain pens from disposable pens is one small contribution to a more sustainable future. That is incredible. Maybe fountain pens are really becoming a thing. Wow. Well, that's much more responsible than the pleasure I feel like I took. But yeah, I don't know. They're really fun. And it turns out that the vintage ones I now know are even better. So like I have a really nice old vintage one that I write with now. And it like, oh, I don't know. It's very sane making. That is so fun. Um, I want to uh, bring in Neil from Berkeley and then we're going to go to Rob and Sloan. Uh, Neil from Berkeley, welcome to the show. Hey. Yeah, uh, thank you. Um, yeah, the thing I, during the pandemic, all the pools shut down. And so <clears throat> I started swimming in the bay. And, oh, uh, man. Right off I admire that. Beach, I was out there this morning, 630 in the dark <laughs> with my wetsuit on, of course. Uh, but it's, uh, it's amazing. Where do you, I, where I do you go from? I never want to go back to a pool. Yeah. Uh, Albany Beach. Mm-hmm. Right there by the Albany Point. And there's like now a growing community of swimmers there. 
Yeah, one of my you know, neighbors, uh, Pamela, is out there all the time, and she swears that it is the most fun thing in the world and that it's not totally terrifying every single second of the entire thing. Um, for for beginners, how do they get started with that? Is there, like, some kind of club or something? Well, there are, there are some clubs. A lot of, you know, I find that there are little communities of group people that get together and swim. I mean, one thing I, I would say is get <clears throat> maybe get good in a pool first now that the pools are open. And get a little confident, and then, uh, uh, you know, if it's cold, like like in the winter, I'm I'm wearing a wetsuit. In the summer, you know, you can get away with just wearing swim trunks and a, a insulated cap. Um, but uh, yeah, I would I would make sure you're a confident swimmer first, and then and then just try it out. The beauty of the Albany Beach, though, is if you're not a confident swimmer, you could start just you could just go off the beach and just swim laps back and forth along the beachfront. Um, and then as people get more into it, there's a group that swims way out there <laughs> and then cuts back. Um, you know, you can join up with one of those groups and uh, I just yeah. do it alone. <laughs> oh, man. I lo- I, it's one of my goals. I love running. I love biking. And I would love to do a triathlon right. at some point in my life. Yeah. But I'm the worst yeah. swimmer. Like, I just cannot. I am just so truly so bad. I uh, in a pool, but I, I have heard that actually swimming in the bay is a little bit easier because you've got some buoyancy from the wetsuit, and you've got, um, I guess, the terror <laughs> being in a huge body of water. Uh, but I'll, I'll try my luck in the pool, Neil. Is kind of what you're telling me. Yeah. Well, uh, start out, and then I got to tell you, once you swim out there in open water, you will never want to go back to a pool. It's so hard to get back. You know, like when it's after. By the one advice I'll give: after it rains, you have to wait 72 hours before you go in. Uh-huh. Um, and nicely East Bay mud, if there is some sort of weird sewage thing, we'll post the beaches with signs that say, do not go in until the signs away. Really pay attention to those. Got it. Um, but, cool. uh, but yeah, once you're thank into you for, it. Yeah. Just, thank you for yeah. that advice. Neil. And that's a great, that may be the prod I need. We'll see. Thank you so much for, uh, there you go. Look <laughs> me out there. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll be the one floundering. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> talk to you later, Neil. Um, Robin Sloan, um, you are actually responsible for one of my discoveries uh, of 2021, and that is a new album that you put out with a friend of ours, Jesse Solomon Clark, under the name The Cotton Modules, and I want to hear just a little bit of that. Robinson, what are we listening to there, actually? Because it's music, of course, but it's produced in a really unusual way. Yeah, that's right. Um, this is the uh, sort of strange musical project that is the combination of Jesse Solomon Clark's great world-class compositional skills, along with uh, my use of an AI, an artificial intelligence model uh, that happens to know a lot about recorded music. And uh, so the singer there, that kind of dorky crooner who's telling us about a dying planet um that comes right out of the machine and uh, it was jesse's skill that that kind of wove that into a into a really lovely song and a and a cool fun album so it's yeah it's not like a sample that you pulled off a record like no human being has ever sung those words that's absolutely absolutely right it is from the strange dreams and twisted memories of 
this computer and kind of all the recorded music, thousands, millions of songs uh, that went into its database, which is, you know, weird, cool, a little bit scary. Um, and, you know, it turns out to be actually pretty, uh, pretty haunting to listen to, I think. Yes. Oh, I totally agree. That's the cotton module. It's one of my discoveries. But what about you, Robin? What have you discovered in 2021? Well, I have to say, I think like probably a lot of people, I was nodding, nodding along with Lily because one of my uh, discoveries was flat-edged calligraphy pens, um, which are just a real tactile pleasure to use uh, over coffee in the morning. Um, there must be something in the water or the Yeah, ink. I love that we found but... the true forum audience, people who love <laughs> yeah, exactly. pens. Exactly. <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about weird pens. Um, you know, my my real 2021 discovery and the thing that I am going to keep remembering, I I truly believe is one that actually came pretty late in the year. I discovered Thule fog. Um, and 2021 was the the right year to discover it because um well, I should back up one step. Uh, I help run a small olive oil company called Fat Gold. And as a result, for the last five years, I've spent basically every November, all November on the road, um, moving olives around from the grove to the mill and back and forth and back and forth. And this year was really, really different. Down in the San Joaquin Valley, especially up and down 99, uh, even like over to Gilroy, up to around Sacramento, the fog, this seasonal Thule fog was so thick. In the morning, it would be borderline terrifying, actually, in the darkness. But then the sun would rise and it would thin out just a little, little bit. And you'd spend the whole day driving through this like magical, almost fantastical landscape. And of course, it was helped by the fact that everything was so lush and so green from the recent rains. Um, and I felt like it was just a California, a central valley of California that I hadn't really ever seen before. And um, I hope I get to see it again. You know, I yeah. hope this isn't just the, the one big fog year. I, I hope it might be a bit of a return to normalcy. That's so interesting. We actually have Elizabeth in Oakland with a little central valley story as well. Welcome to the show, Elizabeth. Hey there. I love that you're talking about Thule fog. That is so cool. So, so um, this goes right along with it. So I discovered over the last year all of the migrating birds in the Central Valley. So it, a lot of people in California don't know that the Bay Delta is the fourth largest delta in the world and the largest delta on the west side of both uh, North and South America. So hugely important delta, and it turns out that it draws all of these migrating birds that are passing through on this route, on the western route, and a lot of them stop or even stay in the Central Valley. So like tonight I'm going out there to look at snow geese because last year during Thanksgiving we camped out there um, because there was no place else to go for Thanksgiving with a big group, and I ended up just tooling around on Thanksgiving Day, and around sunset um, at the uh, San Joaquin uh, Wildlife Preserve, and I'm looking for sandhill cranes, and I've, I've heard they're there, and so I go, and I'm sitting there, and I, I finally find one crane, I, and I was like, well, okay, I was looking for a whole group, but, and then sunset comes. And about 20 minutes after sunset, I'm still there hanging around looking at this one crane. <laughs> loitering, and loitering. thousands and thousands and thousands of them come flying in right after sunset with this 
sky just turns into this flurry of sandhill cranes. Uh. Amazing. Only me, all alone with these cranes. It was uh. one of the most profound experiences of my life. And I just want to add, because the guy was talking about the beach at Albany Bulb, that in the East Bay, it is the best place to see migrating birds is at the Albany Bulb. And it's packed, packed with migrating shorebirds right now. So both in this, and in fact, I'm going out there tonight. I'm going out there next weekend to the Valley, up to Sacramento Wildlife. And it's the the coolest thing. I just got to say it's the coolest thing. Thank you for sharing that with us, Olivia. That is, that's got to be one of those moments where you're like, file that one away. At the end of my life, when I think back on the things that I've done, you're going to remember that swirl of cranes. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. It's awesome. Dan Brick, you're also a birder too, yeah? Or you've, you've gotten into well, things? Yeah. Um, well, I grew up in a place uh, south of Chicago where we had uh, lots and lots of birds. It's not thought of as a lush place, but uh, boy, was there a lot of life there. But, you know, so I've carried that out here and I I keep a list of what I've seen in my backyard and and so that's the kind of person I am but um, it, this really goes along with uh, what our caller just said um, over Thanksgiving uh, my partner and I went out to uh, the Sacramento Valley which is a place I really love and there is a uh, one of the wildlife areas up there is called Gray Lodge it's a state state-run piece of property just uh, south of the Sutter Buttes. Uh, actually, do I have that right? Just north of the Sutter Buttes, which is uh, the world's smallest mountain range, if you haven't heard of it. It's near Marysville, California. Anyway, we, you know, I had no idea what to expect out there. I've heard about the crowds of migrating birds for, for years. When we got to this place, there was just this cacophony of geese sounding off, you know, honking, yeah. but, you know, multiplied by 50 or 100,000. And it, and it makes quite a, a sound. So we're walking around this uh, this one pond there, and all of a sudden there was the sound of a low flying jet. Um, it was so loud and so immediate that I turned around to see where the plane was coming from, and it wasn't a plane, of course. It was about fifty thousand geese taking off simultaneously. These oh, are uh, awesome. uh, snow geese and uh, Ross's geese, and they're Arctic migrants. They come from the snow geese mostly come from. Um, the Siberian Arctic, and um, the, and you couldn't see the birds at first, but then this huge cloud of birds lifted over this uh, this line of trees in the distance, and I'll, I'll tell you, it, you hear stories. You if you read about what the European colonists encountered, um, right? Yeah, encountered huge, in the yeah, Central yeah, yeah. Valley, and and it's. And I've never heard it or seen it before. And it's just a hint of what it was, but it's a hint really worth experiencing. I'm going to run through a few of these comments from our listeners because there's a a bunch of great ones. Margo uh, started learning to play pickleball. Cheryl writes, I discovered my passion for astronomy during 2020 and 2021. Started noticing Mars and the great Jupiter-Saturn conjunction. Listener writes, he discovered Headspace, a meditation app. Kevin writes that he discovered disc golf, a fun, accessible, egalitarian, welcoming sport. Jen writes that she learned about hiking in Redwood Park and San Gregorio Beach. And let's bring in Arlinda. You have a book recommendation for us. Yes. um, I found in one of the little libraries people have outside their homes, The Sacred Art of Loving Kindness, Preparing to Practice by Rabbi Rami Shapiro. And uh, I read this book three times. 
It was just a delightful little uh-huh. book. And has so- uh, a 13-week practice in it. And um, I did each, each, each week. And the first two weeks are just learning to love yourself. You know, we, a lot of us are very self-critical of our body, of our whatever, you know. And uh, so the first two weeks is learning to love yourself because if you can't love yourself, you really cannot give to others very well. And then there's also chapters on feelings and forgiveness and, oh, and anger great. management because anger is, a, is an obstacle to kindness. Yeah. Thank you so much, Arlen. Just so people know, that's a book on loving kindness. And I want to go to Lily and Robin. Let's go with you first on your book recommendations just as we head out of this segment. Thanks so much for calling, Arlen. By the way, I have a fountain pen this year, too. Oh, good. (laughs) I love it. Uh, That's so great. Um, Lily, book recommendation real quick. Oh, okay. Well, my... uh... The, the book Magical Habits by Monica Huerta. It's an amazing uh, sort of, um, oh, I don't know. She, she, so she was, she trained as a, as a historian and she did this amazing thing, which she grew up around Mexican restaurants that her dad um, ran and kind of, he was a huge personality who made kind of like a big deal of like, you know, the kind of caricature that he was. Um, and so she, as a historian, <laughs> when she was kind of a baby scholar, tried to like, write about Mexican restaurants in Chicago. But now that she's a full blown scholar at Princeton in in literature, (laughs) she's written this amazing personal memoir about kind of the experience of becoming an academic and her relationship with her dad and her 20 years time trying to write about (laughs) intellectualizing the experience of growing up around this like amazing larger than life kind of caricature of of, of mexican americanness and it's just beautiful oh, and that sounds really awesome yeah yeah robin sloan how about you um there is a new memoir out um by a writer named tamara shopson uh and the title of this novel is laser writer 2 which i think many viewers will recognize <laughs> as the the model name of a very famous laser printer in the late 80s and early 90s and uh it is a super specific memoir uh about working with Macintosh computers in that time. And uh, I think people who remember that time will find it really delightful as I did. We've been talking about the things you discovered in 2021 that fed and sustained you with Dan Brecky, editor and reporter with KQED News, Lily Loofborough, a staff writer at Slate, and Robin Sloan, author of Sourdough and Mr. Penumbra's 24-hour bookstore. Early we were joined by Janae Darden. Stay tuned for more after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
all over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.